Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. What is up, Colts fans? We're back here. This is the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast. I'm Jake Arthur here along with Zach Hicks on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Please give us a rating and a review on iTunes as well. So the Colts pull off another close one against the Houston Texans on Sunday. Uh, They won it out there at Lucas Oil Stadium 27-20. to it took more late-game heroics by the defense as Houston was knocking on the door of the Colts' end zone once again, and the Colts get yet another fumble recovery there at the end to kill the game with 19 seconds left. The Colts are now 10-4. and four. Uh, it's, it's their first 10-game, 10 10-win 10 season since, what, 2014 with Andrew Luck. Um, they are tied with the Titans atop the division still because the Titans won't quit winning. Uh, So both are still on top, but the Colts inch up a little bit into the fifth AFC playoff spot for now, and that's pending the outcome of the Browns and Giants game later. Before we break down Sunday's action, let's hear from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you once again by Bet Online. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. The Colts were seven-point home favorites with the over-under on total points at 50.5 coming into this game. They covered the spread as they won by seven points, but the teams combined for 47 points, so it was just under there. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so some of the main storylines in this one, starting with the injuries as always. Uh, The Colts were relatively clean going in and leaving the game uh, from an injury standpoint. DeForest Buckner and Mo Alley-Cox were both questionable coming in, but both played uh, we'll get to it later, but Buckner was an absolute monster. Uh, the Texans, on the other hand, were really shorthanded at running back, so we saw a lot of David Johnson, and they had some important IR placements earlier in the week. Uh, one thing I I noticed today, especially, it's Michael Pittman just hasn't quite been as involved. Now, I don't want to get this started with kind of a Debbie Downer approach, but it's just something I've noticed. 
since he had 101 yards in week 10, he then had his first career touchdown in week 11, uh, but he hasn't scored or even hit 50 yards in a game in the four games since then. Uh, do you think that's just pretty much all because T.Y. has been coming up lately, Zach? Uh, to a degree. I think this Colts offense isn't really predicated on getting the ball to one specific player. Uh, mm. Like we've seen this year, you know, guys who have had big games have been Marcus Johnson had, has had 100 yards. Molly Cox has had 100 yards this year. Uh, T.Y.'s hit 100 yards and Michael Pittman's hit 100 yards receiving. So there's been a lot of just kind of spreading that ball around. Uh, so, you know, obviously you want to see your young receiver who was on the verge of it. Like you look like he was ascending. You want to see him continually get the ball. But uh, at the end of the day, the Colts are going to feed the hot hand. You know, today it was Zach Pascal who had a huge game and had the two touchdowns and, and uh, you know, had a just a huge game for the team. And, you know, T.Y. obviously had that big catch. Uh, and also, I think in recent weeks, we've seen the rise of Jonathan Taylor and, and also Naeem Hines has been doing a great job running the ball and catching the ball as well. Uh, so the team's been kind of more balanced than they what they were uh, in that couple weeks span where Pittman was breaking out. So, you know, there's a lot of factors. Colts like to spread the ball around. T.Y. Hilton's having a big impact lately, and uh, they've been run the ball a lot better. So I'm not too, too worried. And, and like we, we've said throughout the, the year and also before the year started, uh, rookie receivers with the Colts typically don't have a huge impact. Rookie receivers in general don't usually have a big impact in the NFL. Like this year's kind of an outlier with guys like Justin Jefferson across the league. So uh, I'm not too worried about Pittman uh, going forward or, or anything. Uh, you know, hopefully they get him more involved, but the Colts offense, they spread the ball around so much. It's, it's just kind of how it is with this team. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's anything necessarily that he's doing. I think just like you said, they, they share the wealth and spread it around so much. It looked like there for a few game stretch, like he was probably about to start really getting the lion's share of the, of the, of the touches, but that's just not how it's gone. Um, you know, say, save for the stats. I would take with him not getting all these penalties, man. That's got, he's got to be the, the most singularly penalized receiver in the league. Yeah. I haven't looked into it, but that's, yeah, some league. of it, I, I will admit, like <laughs> some of the stuff early in the year, like the, like the blocks in the backs and stuff and, mm -hmm. and some of the holds in, in the run game blocking. I think a lot of that was just a rookie playing at, you know, 110 miles per hour uh -huh. and Tris trying too hard to make a play. But, you know, a couple of them just kind of how it is in the NFL, a couple of them are really ticky tack. I think the one today was, was very, very ticky tack. Mm -hmm. on that on that pick play I thought he was just kind of standing still and they called that uh but it is how it is in the NFL I, I do I, I will always say I like a guy making mistakes at 100 miles per hour than I do you know a guy not making mistakes playing at half that speed so obviously that's something they need to fix with him going forward you can't be getting this many penalties as a receiver but you know I, as a rookie I, I'm fine with those being the bumps you know yeah, I, I I think looking at, I mean, there's still a couple games left, but I think you got to be really comfortable with how his season has looked. They yeah. they loved his effort and his willingness to do everything on the field, and you're seeing that. And again, if his penalties are effort thing, like he's putting in too much effort and being a little overzealous, that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's all stuff that can be cleaned up. Um, it's just funny that a, a rookie receiver would would have that many penalties on him. And I, I saw one of your big storylines coming out. You tweeted about Naheem Hines really hitting some chunk plays lately. Um, you want to share a little bit about what you've been seeing in, in him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the thing I just tweeted out, the thing I was looking up as I was waiting to jump into this call here is, you know, Naheem Hines, even though for as explosive and as a big play player he is, he's mostly doing that in the passing game. His his career yards per carry 
uh, with the Colts. And, you know, this is year three now, so it's it's not just something that's like a temporary thing. It's kind of who he is. Uh, he's he's just a 3.7 yards per carry guy. You know, he, he'll break off the couple the occasional big ones, but he'll get stuffed quite a bit. Uh, but these last two weeks we've seen, and albeit they've been against really, really bad run defenses, uh, but we've seen him breaking off those chunk plays uh, time and time again. And he's got 12 carries for 101 yards these last two games, averaging over eight yards a carry. Uh, so yeah, the talk has been a lot about Jonathan Taylor these last couple games, and, and rightfully so, he's been outstanding. But uh, Hines, uh, as a pass catcher, and also now running the ball these last two games, uh, has been just as good. So uh, yeah, definitely, you know, this, this one-two punch has been great for the Colts, and you know, we've seen them kind of phase out uh, Jordan Wilkins, but I don't really think that's anything to kind of say about Wilkins. I think it's just a testament to how good these two backs have been playing. I mean, Taylor looks like a stud right now these last couple weeks. And again, like I said, these are really bad run defense they've been playing, but uh, you can see things that are translating for, in terms of his vision, uh, his ability to make those jump cuts, uh, staying on his feet after contact. Uh, he's making great strides in all those areas. And then Hines is, is just hitting the hole with a lot of speed and quickness, and he's able to get those big gains. So, uh, yeah, this one-two punch is looking really, really good for Indy. And I really wish it would have translated to more points out there today. I mean, obviously 27 is not bad whatsoever, but um, – I, I think this one-two punch is playing great right now, along with, you know, T.Y. Hilton and, and Phillip Rivers uh, and the rest of the offense. Yeah, and then, of course, something else we'll have to discuss on the other side of the ball. DeForest Buckner and Danico Autry were just – they were they were hell on earth for Houston today. And I'll, I'll really give it to the defensive line in, in general. There's only so much you can do against Deshaun Watson. They're going to get yards and points because of him. He's going to extend plays. Uh, but Buckner, he came in, he had the ankle, I believe it was, all week. He was he was questionable, but he played. Uh, between him and Autry, they had four and a half sacks. Buckner had three. And honestly, he had Buckner had those numbers, but I could kind of see the ankle injury out there. Like yeah. when you spread him out and made him run out in space, he, he mm-hmm. didn't quite seem like his normal self but I think he was just really relying on that strength and just burst right up the middle today as a pass rusher. And that really worked for him. Uh, Kamoko Toure, uh, he seemed a lot more involved early than normal. Um, of course, he was a full participant all week in practice. Uh, I thought he had a couple really good reps there. Uh, gave Laramie Tunsil hell a time or two. Uh, the Texans were down to their second right tackle at one point. Him and Alpadine Muhammad um, met at, at the quarterback a couple times. So mm-hmm. the defensive line looked really nice, I thought. Uh, five yeah. sacks on the day, I, I believe. Yeah, Joel Joel Erickson actually just tweeted out saying Buckner had a freak accident in practice this week, got kicked in the heel in practice on Thursday and twisted his ankle. So that kind of would explain the limits uh, that yeah. we saw out there. And, and I'm actually curious to see what his snap numbers were. I, I don't think it's going to be his typical, like usually like gets around 80 to 90% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's going to be more around 40 to 50% this week, but that was just off the eye test. I have no clue how many he actually played. Uh, but luckily from, from at least what that kind of looks like there, looking at the tweet and hearing about it, that looks like it's just going to be an injury that will heal with, with some time this week. Uh, he might be like a limited participant the first couple of days. Uh, this week here but I'm sure he'll be fine for the Pittsburgh game Uh, but yeah it's crazy that he was able to get three sacks uh, in a game he was limited and the funniest part about that is we've talked all year I think he's up to about seven sacks this year if I I might be a little off with that I think six and a half or seven 
Uh, but he has almost 30 quarterback hits on the yeah. season. He, he's been getting to the quarterback. And it's just hilarious that the game where he's limited and doesn't look like himself is the game he gets all the sacks, the three yeah. sacks. Uh, but yeah, DeForest Buckner, I mean, he's he should be an all pro this year. Uh, he's one of the best defensive players in football. Uh, just a great game from him. And then, yeah, Kamoko Turi, like you said, I think early on he had some good snaps. Uh, I, obviously, I want to see a little bit more. But again, uh, going against Laramie Tunsil, I mean, that's one. That's a, like another tough matchup. He's had a lot of tough matchups since coming yeah. back from injury. Uh, so hopefully we can see him take advantage of a pretty depleted Pittsburgh line next week. And then uh, Jacksonville to, to end the season. I think that's going to be a good matchup for him as well. But yeah, I think for the most part, I was fairly impressed with the defensive line. Uh, just because again, Watson is is so great. I mean, he's, I mean, he's a top three quarterback in this league uh, for a reason. Uh, one of the best players in all of football. Uh, you can only do so much to hold him down. Um, I, I do think the the pass rush disappeared a little bit there late in the second half and mm-hmm. and a bit into the third quarter, or a little bit in the second quarter and, and uh, into the third quarter. But uh, for the most part, I think there was a good game from the defensive line. They did a good job of at least getting Watson off of his, you know, desired reads kind of early. Uh, but, you know, overall, I, I don't think the defense really had too poor of a game like some people are saying on Twitter right now. Right. Yeah. It's honestly the, the, the Texans put up 425 yards of offense, but the Colts actually outgained them in yards per play. Yeah. Um, the, the defense just came up big when it needed to. And speaking of, of which I thought the linebackers did all right as well. Uh, Bobby Okariki made a couple plays here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, Darius Leonard, of course, led the game with 12 tackles and a huge forced fumble there at the end, just uppercutted the ball out of QT's arms when he was, potentially about to score and, and tie the game. And uh, of course, Okariki recovers it in the end zone for the the touchback. So Leonard might be one of the most clutch defenders in the league. I mean, in his three years now, how, how many turnovers has he been a part of now in the last three, four minutes of a game? Like, yeah. It's at least like five or six. It's yeah, at least especially like the Texans. Six. Yeah. Yeah. It's been like three against the Texans. <laughs> yeah. So hashtag blessed on that one. Um, was uh, was there any, any of the other kind of main storylines that caught your eye in this one? The biggest thing I will say is for anyone who's hyping on the yards that the Texans put up and, and how they were able to move the ball at the end of the day, you're only going to do so much against an elite quarterback. It's just how it is in this league. Uh, league quarterbacks, even if they're throwing to guys like Kiki Cootie and Chad Hansen, uh, obviously there were some coverage mistakes. Uh, some of the guys in the secondary, I think, had some poor-ish games compared to what we've seen. You know, Xavier Rose didn't have his best game. Uh, I don't think Julian Blackman had his best game. Uh, you know, overall, I think the secondary guys could have made some more plays in the ball. But, again, at the end of the day, you can only do so much against an elite quarterback. Watson yeah. is is elite in almost every regard, but especially getting out of the pocket and, and forcing you to have to be perfect in your coverage for four five, six seconds. So it's a really tough matchup for any defense, let alone this Colts defense and, you know, holding them to 20 points and, and forcing two turnovers and getting, I think it was five sacks. I think that's a pretty, you know, I think that's a win of a performance for the defense. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it was an outstanding performance, but they did what they had to do to, to slow down one of the best in the league. Uh, so, that's that was the main reason why they got this win today when the offense was kind of sputtering there a little bit in the early second half. Uh, the defense was able to at least hold the Texans to three points instead of seven uh, and, and kind of keep the, the game alive. So uh, and also the big play at the end, like you said. And, and the one thing I want to add to that is I don't think Darius Leonard has had his typical type of season that we've mm-hmm. seen from him. I think it has been a little bit of a down year for him for him. Not like he's been awful, but 
there has been some some issues in coverage. There have been uh, his his like tackles for a loss and his run defense hasn't been as great as normal. But at the end of the day, football is about it making those big plays. And that's kind of what he's been these first couple of years is even if his complete game isn't there, even if he's not the most well-rounded, perfect linebacker in every single regard, he's going to be a playmaker for your defense. And uh, we saw that the first two years of his career, and then we finally saw it again today, uh, making that huge play on the one-yard line. So uh, just props to Darius Leonard for what he was able to do and and get this Colts team to 10 wins. I mean, if, if the Colts would have lost this game, if Cutie gets in and they get the two-point conversion, which I think they were going to go for after that, uh, the Colts would be outside the playoffs right now. Uh, now they're sitting at the five seed uh, with two games to go. So uh, a lot can change, obviously, but a big reason why they were able to win is because Darius Leonard punched that ball out there at the end. Absolutely. I mean, at, at the end of the day, they've now swept the Texans in a really close series this year. And yeah. you know they, they kept themselves alive because they needed to control their own destiny. Uh, so talking about those points and more, uh, Colts head coach Frank Reich spoke with the media after the game. Here he is. All right, here we go. Just a quick injury update. Uh, we just had the one to report uh, Marcus Johnson had a quad. So we'll get that treated and monitor that. Uh, a great team win. Um, really proud of the guys. We know these tough division. We know these division games are always going to be tough. Uh, we got a lot of respect for this team, and uh, they got great players. And um, so it was a tough contest. Here's what here's what we just talked about in the locker room. What what I'm most excited about is, you know, in the fourth quarter of that game, when the game is on the line, is that we made plays in all three phases. We make a 53 yard field goal in the fourth quarter. We have a long game winning drive. Uh, to go up uh, in the fourth quarter, and then we get the defensive stop on the last drive. That, that's what that's what playing December football. Um, that's meaningful. That's what it takes uh, to continue to build the DNA and and who we are and where we believe we're going. So, a lot of good things we did, but we're always reminded that um, shoot, we played good in all three phases and did a lot of really good things, and it's still a close game. That's the way these. That's the way this league is. So, we got to continue to improve. Um, and there's room for improvement. So we'll look at the film and we'll evaluate uh, you know, what, what we got to do to get better. You know, we play another tough AFC opponent this week on the road. So we'll lock in and uh, learn from this game and get better. All right, Greg Doyle. Hey, Frank, thanks for the update on what you guys talked about. I want to take you back about 15 seconds before you start talking or 30 or whatever. What was that locker room like when you walk in there to win that game like that? Yeah, it was, it was, you know, guys fired up, really guys who believe in one another, guys who are excited for one another, guys who, you know, believe we're, we're going somewhere and, um, but that nothing is given to us and you got to earn every bit of it um, each week. So, um, you know, we know that this, this marathon is not over. So, you know, you felt, Greg, you felt an excitement, a, a, a real big excitement, but you also sensed a focus of, hey, we still got a lot of work to do. We still got to get a lot better. Mike Chapel. Frank, can you remember two games in three weeks where fumbles at the goal line have, have, have gone this way for you? It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. Obviously, uh, you know, real credit. I think Darius caused the one today, right? Is that right? right. Um, you know, just a great play by him. Uh, you, you know, he, we know he gets so many strip attempts, but um, I thought the defense did a good job, right? That last drive, even though they moved the ball down the field, we kept the pressure on him. Um, obviously, we got to avoid that penalty to make it even harder. But, you know, playmakers make plays in the clutch when it's needed. And as you said, Chap, I mean, against this team to have 
these two games end this way, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. Frankie, just a real quick follow-up. The play with T.Y., did you guys think with your alignment you were going to get him on a linebacker like that? Yeah, no, <clears throat> I really credit, you know, Nick and the offensive staff. You know, that's a play that we had put in, you know, trying to get, uh, you know, against the coverage that we ended up getting it. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we got in a long yard situation. And, uh, you know, just, I was just, it was just a gut feeling, you know, that we just had to make a play and had to, had to take a shot. I mean, there was one thought to just try to get back in field goal range. Um, but I really was just trusting Phillip, trusting T.Y. that, hey, let's take the shot if it's there. Let's see if we can get the coverage we want and get T.Y. isolated like we wanted to. And if it's there, let's take it. If not, then, you know, let's work underneath, try to get some yards and get mm -hmm. back in field goal range if, if that's what we got to do. Thanks, Ryan. Phil Erickson. Hank, how, how hurt was DeForest Buckner and how close was he not, not playing? We're not used to seeing him play uh, a limited role, you know? Yeah, he was hurt. Um, but, uh, you know, credit to him. I mean, really the way he spent the last 48 hours doing everything. I mean, literally, I, I don't know how much more you can treat it and, and do everything that you have to do. Get the rest. We kept him off it as much as we could. But it was really kind of come down to, you know, could, could he operate at a winning level? And, you know, he just wasn't going to be denied. I mean, you could just tell the last 24 hours that he was going to play. But we really took it up to the last minute. Um, you know, we worked him out today at 10 o'clock. And he had a good workout. So we just wanted to limit him, uh, you know, really from himself more than anything, you know, just put him in on pass rush situations, put him in on red zone, you know, in, in key situational things. So there's the credit to DeForest, the leader that he is and the kind of player and, and how tough he is. George Bremer. Coach, you mentioned December football and making plays in all three phases of the fourth quarter. Is, you know, I was talking in NCAA basketball about surviving advance. Is that the mentality this time of year? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, you there's we talked about it in there where you can play good football and in all three phases, but it just still comes down to a handful of plays. And I, I just thought we did so many good things in all three phases during the day. But, you know, they got Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's making unbelievable plays, keeping them in the game. And we make one or two mistakes. And all of a sudden, you know, obviously, it all, you know, we started out on fire in all three phases and and they fought back into it. That's a credit, you know, credit to them. But as you said, in the, in the fourth quarter, you just got to believe and then you got to come up big in the clutch. All right, we'll go two more. Kevin Bowen. Frank, on the challenge, sometimes you see hesitancy in challenging spots. What made you challenge that? And then on the Pascal touchdown, any sense of trying to play the clock game there or is it just score whenever? Yeah, um, the challenge was just, you know, really it was a gut, it was a gut feeling. You know, I mean, it's a it's a no brainer if it's third down, but, you know, really where they were still going to have a chance, they were going to have the third and short. Um, you could have easily argued about not challenging it, but I don't know, it was a gut feeling. And what helped me was, uh, believe it or not, this doesn't happen very often. But there, there were about four or five players, you know, that really brought it to my attention, right? I mean, up on the screen, it showed it. And then it really just had a split, se a split second to make that, to, are we really going to, am I really going to challenge this right here? Um, where they still have, it's going to be third and short. And um, I don't know, it was a gut feeling. And then we make a great play to draw them off, you know, make them have a legal procedure. And that, that turned out to be big. So it was a great job by the defense getting the stop. And then the Pascal touchdown, was yeah. there any thought to run more? Play? Yeah, well, yes, we, we talked about it, um, Kevin. But what happened was when the first run, like if the first run 
had been positive and we ended up on the one or two yard line, I, I might have ran it again. But um, when the first run was was negative or no gain, or I think it was negative, it was like, hey, we got to score. You know, we got to score. And I'm going to put the ball in Phillips' hands and um, from the five yard line with two shots to score. So that, that was that was the thinking. All right, last one, Jim Maiello. Yeah, Frank, we, we talked about Zach earlier this uh, this week, but it seemed like it was maybe his turn to kind of star and, and, and that the Texans were giving a lot of attention to T.Y. Hilton today. Yeah, that's true. And uh, you're right. It, it's kind of ironic, right, um, Jim, how that happened. I mean, we did, you're right, we did talk about that, and then he stepped up in a big-time way. It's funny. It was just his week. He was the captain of the week. It was his birthday, you know, um, he spoke to the team last night, uh, and then comes out and he's MVP kind of play for the team for the day. So we love Zach. He epitomizes what we're all about: the toughness, the dependability, great teammate, and uh, just did an outstanding job today and really all year, and especially had a, had a great week this week. You share it all with what he said to the team. Sorry. Hey, he just no. I mean, I'll let him share that with you, but. You know, Zach is really respected because of his toughness. And so really what he was talking about was a toughness, a, a kind of mentality. He was really talking about a kind of mentality that we needed to have today. And uh, I think it hit the team just right. All right. Now looking at a little more close, uh, a little, little more closely at this matchup, uh, the Colts offense had 350 yards on 53 plays, which was 6.6 .6 yards per play. They were six of 11 on third down, which is 54 and a half percent, which is an improvement for sure. Uh, they also cashed in one of one on fourth down and three of four in the red zone, which is 75%. So we saw improvements from them on third down and the red zone. So that's, that's definitely good. And uh, considering they already had a, a good conversion rate on third down to cash in on their only fourth down, that's, that's improvements for them. So mm -hmm. you, you love to see that. Um Passing the ball, uh, Uncle Phil was dealing once again, 22 of 28, which is 78.6% for 228 yards, and he had an 8.1 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, and no interceptions for the third straight game uh, for a passer rating of 124.4. Um, God, yeah, this this just seemed like one where uh, where he was taking what the defense gave him. I thought there. I thought his numbers would look even better if not for a couple uh, missed opportunities. It really wasn't on any one person, but um, he had that that kind of downfield wheel route to Jonathan Taylor early, where Taylor yeah. didn't look in time. Uh, there was the one to Trey Burton, kind of in a similar scenario uh, down that that left sideline, where it just looked like it was just a hair too long for for Burton. He could have potentially got it, but just a couple missed opportunities that that would have made those numbers look a little bit better, but a, a pretty good game overall. Yeah, he's been outstanding recently. Uh, I mean, early in the season, I'm not going to say it looked like it was a bad signing whatsoever, but it looked like he was just going to kind of be a slight upgrade over what they had last year. Mm -hmm. uh, there would be a lot of hit or miss. It would either be a big turnover game or a big touchdown game. It, it kind of looked like there's going to be another high variance season for the Colts, but you know, outside of a couple games this year, I mean, Phil Rivers has been completely just outstanding for this team. I mean, he's knocking on the door 4,000 yards. He's he's under 10 interceptions so far in the year, and hopefully he can keep that down. Uh, yeah, he's just, he's just been everything the Colts needed out of their quarterback uh, coming into this year. And and he's a big reason why uh, they, they are where they are right out in the playoffs. So 
Uh, yeah, today wasn't his most perfect game, but he made the play when it mattered and, and found T.Y. Hilton against that linebacker in, uh, in the seam mm-hmm. shot there. And and that was what ultimately won the game. So, yeah, Phillip Rivers, man, I, I think the signing has been much better than I, even I anticipated. I was a fan of the signing when it happened. Yep. I mean, a, a lot of people thought he was cooked earlier in the season, kind of like you said, but with the, with the year he had last year with what, like 20 picks, this year, he's going to be, like you said, around 4,000 yards, high 20s and touchdowns, around 10 interceptions or, or so, you know, an enormous improvement in interceptions. Um, again, like we said, he hasn't had one in three games. Um, these last, shoot, this whole second half of the season, he's been really efficient. Um, mm-hmm. high, high completion percentage, high YPA, you know, good, good touchdown to turnover ratio because he's also not fumbled and lost one at all this year yeah. uh, so he's taking care of the ball a lot better uh, his primary receivers it was really just a two-man show as, as far as pass catching goes today uh, Zach Paschal the always dependable one uh, caught five reception uh, five balls for 79 yards and two touchdowns today uh, T.Y. Hilton also chipped in with four balls for 71 yards and made an enormous play uh, second straight week with a 41 yarder uh, right down there in, inside the uh, the two-minute warning that allowed the Colts to uh, put the final touchdown on the board and really kind of seal the game. Uh, so big, big kudos to the Colts' two most reliable veteran receivers on the day, for sure. Um, Hilton keeps on rolling. You know, it wasn't a gaudy game, but four catches for 71 yards and a 41-yarder, you can't really ask for much more there. Plus, he almost got bent in half at one point, so he was able to survive the game. Uh, running the ball, the Colts had 100 yards early by the third quarter. Uh, as a team, they ran the ball 23 times for 127 yards. Uh, that's after a kneel down. Uh, they had a 5.5 average. Jonathan Taylor led the way with 16 carries for 83 yards, which is a 5.2 average, and a touchdown. And then Naheem Hines, had a great day, just five carries, but had 43 yards for an 8.6 average. Uh, so it's kind of nice when Taylor has 83 yards and a 5.2 average, but kind of brings down the curve for the whole group. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> but, dude, he looks like a just a damn animal running the ball. Like, his confidence level and just how he's run the ball it looks so much different. He's so much more comfortable now. He's just driving his legs and pulling defenders with him. I mean, he, he's got three or four carries every single week where he creates at least three or four more yards after he's being wrapped up. You know, he, he's just really something else. Yeah, um, and, and in recent games, he's looked like a bigger, faster Marlon Mack, and that's not mm-hmm. a slight to Marlon Mack whatsoever. You know, Marlon Mack is a great running back, uh, but we've seen basically early in the year he was just a big, fast player getting the ball he didn't look like a running back back there Jonathan Taylor because uh, he wasn't he didn't have the great vision he wasn't making defenders miss uh, but recently I mean he, he's got the jump cut that looks just like Marlon Mack I mean I maybe I'll do a cut of that or something this week because I mean the jump some of the jump cuts that Taylor's making looks exactly like Mack has done the last couple of years um, but one thing that Mack was just never really great at was making guys you know, making guys miss in traffic. You know, Mag was great in the open field one-on-one with a guy, but Taylor can run through guys and drag defenders, or he has a little bit more burst and a little more speed than Mac even had uh, to get to that second level and 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 make plays even bigger runs than, than what they should be. So, 
yeah, I, I think these last three weeks, we've kind of seen everything that the Colts drafted Taylor to be. And hopefully that can continue against the Steelers defense, who I think is top five in run defense this year. And I think the Jaguars are decent against the run as well. Not, not outstanding, but decent. Uh, so I, I'm really curious to see if that carries over against, you know, decent to good run defenses rather than just these last three games, which have been against uh, really, really bad run defenses. I, I can't wait to talk about that Steelers game next week, but we got yeah. a, we got a few days to let that marinate. Like we already mentioned, Pascal was one of the true studs of the game for the Colts offense. Like Reich, he also spoke with the media after the game. Here he is. Zach, can you just kind of walk us through that uh, that touchdown and, and the play that was called and then and, and trying to get around that guy for the touchdown? All right. All right. Uh, when I last played, I came in motion. I was supposed to run like an out, but because of the penetration by the DN, I had to kind of bubble back and run like a swing. Um, and he threw it to me. So we, I mean, he threw it to me and I, I knew it was just going to be one-on-one for, uh, for the end zone. And I knew that we needed a touchdown. And so just try to make a play. Frank mentioned that you kind of, you gave a speech to the team yesterday. Can you share at least what part of that was about? Well, I was just letting everybody know, um, well, I passed out, uh, these shirts earlier this year and it has a dog on it. It's called a uh, dog culture. Um, one of my guys from back home, he started his clothing line and I passed the shirts out to the whole team, you know, for times like this, um, a game, you know, three games left coming down the home stretch of the season, regular season. Um, it's easy for guys to, you know, start, you know, feeling lazy or feeling like, you know, let me not do this extra work, but just continue to let the guys know, um, keep your foot on the gas, continue that, continue to have that dog mentality. A, a dog mentality for me is, no matter what happens, no matter what adversity you face, you know, come out on top. Ain't like nobody cares about your excuses. Nobody cares about none of that stuff that you got to say. Like, just go ahead, and take care of your business, no matter what. And I gave an example with Rigo. You know, Rigo was battling a cancer situation, and Rigo was out there playing today. You know, and we got a lot of guys like that that will do whatever it takes to, you know, be on that field. So that was kind of my message just to the team, and yeah, everybody was excited about it. Greg Doyle. Uh, Zach, that the fumble at the very end. Um, I, I'm I'm guessing you're watching it. I mean, what what is that? What is that like to be you guys and watch the game happen right there? I feel like at at at, a, at this point, it's not even shocking anymore. I mean, the last time we played them, they had a fumble um, right before. And no, they yeah, they had a fumble driving down to almost win the game. Um, only thing about this this time, it was you know it was a pass and then the receiver fumble. So I I feel like. Our defense comes through every time. Like I'm not, I'm I, like we're all, we're on the offensive sideline. We're sitting down. We're watching. We just know like the defense is gonna make a play, um, and they did as usual. So, shouts out to the defense and you know all those guys. Zach Kiefer. Zach, the play that set up your touchdown at the end was that big one to Ty. Um, it was second and twenty, and you guys took a shot. Was that something you expected? Was it a surprise you guys were that aggressive in that situation? And just walk me through your view of the play. Um, I mean, we have our games. I mean, I say games. We have our shots uh, up in the call sheet, you know, every game. Um, it's just on the coach whenever to call it. Um, and we executed that one, like, to the T. Uh, our coaches do a great job, an amazing job of helping us and allowing us to see defenses and put us in the right position to make those plays. Um, T.Y. Ran, ran by. He was wide open, made the play. I mean, that that's big. Fourth quarter, I mean, he had a couple catches before that, but fourth quarter, 
and we needed to play on offense and he made it, you know, and that's just shows that just shows that no matter, you know, no matter who's out there, like we could all we could all play and we just got to continue to do so. We'll go two more here. Stephen Holder. Zach, um, not many receivers play the way you play, you know, with that kind of aggression. Just where does it come from and where did that start for you? Me, I feel like it's the struggle. Um, I feel like it's the struggle or not even a struggle, but uh, the journey that I had to get to where I'm at today. Um, I don't I don't want to take place for granted or um, put myself in a position where I can eventually, you know, get hurt or lose my spot. So every 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 play, you know, I'm just going hard and just continuing to try to be aggressive and play the high play. You know, um, I used to play defense in, in high school. Um, I guess that's kind of where my aggressiveness came from. Um, with all the blocking and stuff, but uh, just continue to play my game um, and just, you know, do what I'm asked. Well, last one here, Akeem Glasby. Uh, Zach, you, you spoke about Rigo and, and everything uh, he's going through. What is his situation? How does that kind of just put life uh, in perspective with his ability to come back so quickly? And what does that say about him as a person? I mean, with a situation like that, um, it, 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 it goes past football. You, you, you sit down and you look at Rigo and it's, it's like, he could have, he could have said, you know what, like, let me just go on IR and take care of what I have to take care of with this cancer situation. And I'll just see you guys next year. But you know, the love that he has for this team, this organization, the love that a lot of players on this team have for this, for this team and, and organization, it just, it just foams together. And we have a lot of guys like Rigo that, that would do anything. That would battle through whatever adversity, fight through all the hard times, and you know, uh, be available for the game. Um, and it's it's a blessing to be a part of, uh, of an organization and with a team of players that that would do whatever to win, whatever to win. Whether we down twenty one zero, we'll fight back when it's hard. Whether Rigo had a cancer situation, fight fight hard to come back. I mean, no matter what. And just like today, we was. They was driving down the field and our defense made a play. I mean, we kept fighting, we kept fighting, we kept fighting, and we came out with a dub. As for the defensive side of the ball for the Colts, as we said, you know, there's only so much you can do against Deshaun Watson, who's just incredible. And any prospective head coach out there has to just be drooling to get their hands on on him as their quarterback. Uh, But the Texans had 425 yards of offense on 67 plays, uh, 6.3 yards per play. They were 8 of eight of 15 on third down, which is 53.3%. One of two on fourth, which is 50%. And just one of four in the red zone. So the Colts held them to 25% in the red zone. Uh, passing the ball, Watson was 33 of 41, which is 80.5%. To complete 80% of your passes when you throw over 40, that's just, he's stupid good. It's it's not even right. Yeah. Uh, three, 373 yards for a 9.1 YPA. Uh, two touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked five times. So he did all that while getting sacked five times yeah. uh, and had a rating of 120.8. And you and I in the pregame show talked about, you know, when the Colts let this be close or they lose to the Texans, it's miraculous plays by him or it's breakdowns or whatever. That Chad Hansen play comes to mind. What was it like? 30, 35, 40 yards. He was just wide open and, Initially looking at it, I think Julian Blackman was probably supposed to be there. It looked like he maybe picked someone else up. What, what did you see on that? 
Yeah, so what I could tell, because they actually showed a, a pretty wide angle of it on the replay, which I, I'm very grateful for the, the broadcast <laughs> doing it so I can see it. Uh, what I would assume what it was, was it was cover three match, uh, which means... Because Blackman was single high, right? Yeah, so Blackman okay. was single high in the cover three match, and Rhodes was on his side of the field, and um, I think Rocky Sin was on the other side of the field. So essentially what you want in that situation is if there are multiple guys running out for routes, what Rhodes' responsibility is, is to carry that, that crosser. So Rhodes initially was in the right. He was supposed to carry that crosser. Uh, but the one thing is because it's cover three and it's not just straight up man, his eyes still need to be on the rest of the field. And you need to be aware of a guy coming back to your side of the field on that zone. Uh, mm-hmm. So once he's, he should have seen Chad Hansen come back across the field, passed off that route to Julian Blackman and came back over the top. And then on top of that, uh, you should have also had your linebackers probably getting a little deeper because your linebackers in this cover three um, uh, in this cover three zone should be having their eyes on those cross the field routes as well. So I think it was Okariki or Leonard on the other side of the field that should have had their eyes kind of looking back that way. Uh, but obviously you have to look in the backfield because of Sean Watson, which kind of makes it just mm-hmm. so much tougher to play linebacker against this team. Uh, so, you know, overall, it was just a, it, I think it was just a big defensive breakdown. You know, Rhodes is probably the main culprit here and the one who will get called out in the meetings and stuff like that for it. But I do think the linebackers could have got more depth and kind of recognize that crosser on the backside. But again, they have to kind of keep their eyes on Watson because he does what he does with the ball. So uh, it's an unfortunate breakdown. We've seen a lot of these breakdowns against the Texans, uh, but that's just kind of what Deshaun Watson does, you know, with even when he's not doing anything special, just his ability makes you break down on defense sometimes because you're just, you're trying to take away so much and you're overthinking things. And I think we saw that a lot from the Colts defense. They were kind of overthinking things and that's what was leading to the Texans getting yards after catch and big plays down the field and, and Watson getting out of the pocket. So breakdowns happen uh, more so against Watson than probably any other quarterback in the league. Uh, and, you know, it was just an unfortunate uh, big play for the Texans. Yeah. I mean, that's a great explanation. And like you said, they don't, they just don't really seem to do that against other typical quarterbacks, but just kind of psych themselves out against him. And Deshaun Watson has made Chad Hansen look like the darling that NF the NFL draft Twitter wanted him to be a a couple of years ago. I, I love (laughs) Chad Hansen back in the day. I was, I was like new into the whole draft scouting thing. And, oh man, I love Chad Hansen back. He had some of the best like circus catches at Cal. Yeah. Uh, man, I, I absolutely, I think he was like my wide receiver, like four or five in that draft. <laughs> <laughs> he <laughs> like, was a second dude, or third rounder though, I think. But unfortunately he went to the Jets, which is just. Yeah, he was like a third rounder, I think. Third or four. I don't know. Um, but man, I, I hope he like, part of me hopes he becomes something with the Texans. So I feel better about that evaluation. Uh-huh. Uh, but part of me also hopes that, he doesn't become anything with the Texans. So they oh, yeah. are there, but yeah, dude, Chad Hansen, that was my dude back then. I, I'm, I'm actually getting been pre- pretty pumped to see him make some of those tough catches over the middle against the Colts these last couple games. That's how I felt about Kahali wearing. I yeah. love him. I, I think I probably had him rated higher than everybody else in the tight end rankings. He, he was hurt all last year, hurt most of this year, and then had a couple nice plays against the Colts. So I was silently, I was clapping inside, but not so happy on the outside. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, uh, I felt torn like two weeks ago, right? When when the Texans had Cootie and Hanson going off because I really like Kiki Cootie too. I really uh-huh. loved him when he was coming out. I mean, I just thought explosive little receiver, like you can get a role for him. 
Uh, so when I was seeing both those guys getting 100 yards against the Colts two weeks ago, I was like, okay, yeah. there we go. <laughs> it's, val- it's validating is what yeah, it the is. Dra- the draft Twitter me is uh, is pretty pumped. The Colts uh, writer me is not. but <laughs> Exactly. Head and heart. Yep. All right. Um, so, of course, rushing the ball, the Texans were dead last, and there wasn't much improvement there. Uh, they ran it 21 times for 83 yards, a 4.0 average. Um, honestly, didn't feel like it was their worst game. Uh, there, there was a couple times they got some nice gains on the Colts. They, they did a lot of stuff inside. Uh, David Johnson led the way with 27 yards on eight carries, which is just 3.4. Uh, but with Duke Johnson out and CJ Procise out, Johnson overtook pretty much all the receiving duties for, for the backfield. 11 catches for 106 yards. So you look at his rushing numbers as a fantasy owner and you're pissed off, but then you look at his receiving numbers and it's it's totally fine. <laughs> Uh, so the, the Colts held in check a bad rushing defense or a bad rushing team. So, you know, they, I guess they get the check mark there. After the game, a man who could not be stopped on Sunday, DeForest Buckner, also spoke with the media. Here he is. DeForest, uh, how'd you hurt yourself and uh, how close were you to not being able to play tonight? Yeah, uh, it was Thursday practice. Um, you know, it was, I mean, it was a uh, team period of pass rushing. Uh, foot was planted in the ground. Uh, one of the um, O-linemen's kicking back. It was just a free accident. The O-linemen's kicking back, kicks me in the heel, and my, my ankle just twists, you know. It was just uh, bad timing. Um, but, uh, I mean, I tell you what, it was definitely a team effort um, from getting me out here to play on Sunday. Um, you know, the training staff did a phenomenal job with me, worked with me really well. Uh, coaches worked with me really well. Um, you know, we had a good game plan coming in on how we're going to use me today. Um, you know, third down, some key situations. Uh, you know, everybody was just really the communication was, you know, perfect. You know, from from player to coach, the the top from top to bottom. And I just, I mean, I'm I'm very happy with the. You know, we came out with the came out with the win. Uh, we found a way. And I mean, it's it was just, I mean, it's just awesome, man. Um, I love these guys, and um, I'm just glad I was. You know, they got me ready to play today. Stephen Holder. The Forest. Have you come to a point where you just kind of expect a big play? From your defense in in a in a clutch moment, because I mean, even when you guys don't play your best, you find a way to close yeah. it out with a big play. Just no, most definitely, and that's why I don't get too you know don't get too I know I don't get too high too low, especially when you know when you know we're we're not playing very well. I don't get too low just because I I have the confidence in the guys that someone's going to make a big play, and you know that's why I always try to remind the guys to you know just stay calm because uh, it's coming you know, and we we always preach on the sideline you know it's three and out or take away. And, you know, um, you know, if the three and out doesn't happen, we got to get a takeaway. Got to get off the field. And, um, you know, I always have the confidence in my guys uh, to get the job done. Oh, a couple more. Zach Kiefer. DeForest, what is everything you did from the moment you hurt your ankle Thursday to get ready for kickoff on uh, Sunday? Yes, just training it 24-7, uh, just staying off my feet, um, elevating it. Uh, you know, we did a bunch of things to get the swelling out. Um, and, I mean, it, obviously, it all worked. And uh, like I said before, as a team effort, but like, you know, the training staff did a phenomenal job with me. And, uh, you know, it's, it was a collective collective effort. What would you say you were, were you playing through a lot of pain today or was it pretty much calmed down? Yeah, I, I was pretty lucky. It was pretty much calmed down. I mean, there's times where, you know, I, I felt it a little bit and I took myself out just because I didn't want it to linger and, you know, it calmed down and, I was, you know, got back out there. So, um, it you know, definitely felt, I mean, it was a little pain. It wasn't too bad. I mean, I'm looking at it right now, and then the, the swelling didn't get too bad. So, 
I just got to continue to, you know, make the right decisions and, uh, you know, just continue to go into treatment and uh, just get the spawn out. We'll go two more. Jim Ayala. And of course, did you have to, I mean, did you kind of change the way you play at all today just to kind of get through that? Uh, yeah, I mean, there was times where I was, I felt like I was being a little timid, but, uh, you know, I just had to trust, you know, trust that it would be fine. And, um, and it came out pretty good. Was there a time during during the last few days where you thought it's not going to happen? <laughs> two days ago. Uh, two, day, two, day, two days ago, I was, uh, man, I was feeling pretty bad because I really put any pressure on it. And, um, you know, I just had to keep that positive mindset. Um, you, know, you know, I was going around telling everybody I'm going to be up on Sunday. You know, just, you know, continue to be aggressive with the treatment and, you know, what I was doing and have a trust in the process on, you know, what the trainers were telling me, what, we, what kind of exercise we're doing, what we're going to, you know, do to treat it. And, um, you know, to attack it head on. And, uh, I mean, we, I mean, it was definitely a big turn from two days ago. We'll go last one here, Keem Glassby. Uh, DeForest, I know there was about uh, 10,000 fans in, in the stadium today. Uh, were you able to see uh, Rigo's introduction? And what was that uh, feeling like in the building when he was introduced? Man, it was a great feeling, man. Um, you know, to have him back out there and to have them introduce him, you know, uh, coming out last. Um, and it was just a great moment to have him back out on the field. And, you know, all the guys felt it, you know, the fans felt it. fans got, got a little riled up and, uh, you know, it was just, it was just amazing to see him back out there, man. This, I mean, it's um, all part of God, honestly, you know, um, you know, he, he got him in a position to get him back out there. And on special teams, uh, it's always a little blip here, but we got to mention it. Um, Rodrigo Blankenship, the rookie hits both field goals from 35 and a career long 53 yarder. I believe he was zero for two on 50 yarders coming into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I've, I've always kind of approached it with, yes, he's doing exactly what he needs to, but when he's really been tested and given a deep shot, he hasn't hit him. So I've kind of held cautious optimism about him coming into this. So it was, it was good to see him hit that 53 yarder with plenty of leg because his last 50 yard attempt doinked the, the bottom upright, I get, or what we'll say post. Noodle leg. Yeah. That's where that game noodle leg came from. Yeah. Exactly. That's he was, he was noodle leg after that. And I still, I'm a little upset that he might be killing that brand by hitting a 53 yarder, <laughs> but I'm going to keep the noodle leg. Maybe it, maybe it inspires him to, to kick these, these longer field goals more efficiently. Exactly. Uh, he also hit all three extra points and then Rigoberto Sanchez making his return uh, a few weeks ago, he had a, a cancerous, tumor removed or cancerous growth removed uh, and he's already back punting the ball uh, punted it twice for a 45.5 average and one of them ended inside the 20 yard line yeah and the also, other one was like on the 21 so yeah <laughs> so <laughs> yeah pretty still pretty on brand for him uh yeah. and i believe he was handling kickoff duties i don't even think i paid attention yeah. but I yeah he was yep um so we will now get to your questions for us and we kind of got a bevy of them all at once so i'm going to kind of flip through here and look for a couple of them uh first one from colt's thoughts what do you guys think like marcus johnson and mo alley cox who kept this offense going early and now they're basically completely cut out of the offense almost um so it's just how the season and the personnel has developed in my opinion um they've gotten ty hilton going michael Pittman is a little more developed now as for Mo I mean he's still involved but they have all three tight ends healthy now Mm -hmm. Um, this offense just spreads the ball around so they're 
they don't need to be as reliant on them. And Marcus Johnson was their primary deep target early, and he doesn't have to be anymore because, again, they have T.Y. Hilton going. Yeah, and honestly, they don't really attack the, the field too much deep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Hilton's kind of taken that role these last couple play these last couple games, and and uh, yeah, they really haven't needed Johnson for that role. But honestly, it, yeah, it kind of goes back to what I said to start this pod. They just spread the ball around. I mean, we've seen the emergence of Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Naeem Hines has been k- consistent. Zach Pascal's been consistent all year. Uh, but we've seen Hilton, uh, Pittman, and and Jonathan Taylor all kind of emerge in recent weeks. Uh, Trey Burton's had some good games as well. Uh, with all these guys kind of emerging and these veterans kind of taking that that front seat again um we we've kind of seen the phasing out of those other guys and and honestly it wouldn't shock me if, if a guy like mo had a huge game next week or something you know like these guys anybody can have a big game any week um i mean how many people would have guessed that zach pascal would be the leading receiver this week with right and have and have two touchdowns i mean that's just kind of how this offense rolls um i, I wouldn't necessarily say they're being completely phased out but other players are stepping up making big plays i mean to michael harris was a big conversation point for a couple of weeks and now he's been inactive for the last two games and it's not really anything on him. It's just how this offense rolls. So I think a big part of it's just Phillip rivers, Phillip rivers gets the ball. Whoever's open doesn't matter who it is. Uh, part of it's the offense, just getting the ball out quick. Uh, and the other part is just, you know, offenses evolve throughout the year. Absolutely. Uh, next one from James Hutchison. Why can't Frank Reich behave and just stick with the plan of running the football with Taylor <laughs> instead of having to be cute. Um, I haven't I haven't looked at the transcript yet. I, I didn't pop into the into the presser, uh, but just I can already kind of imagine what what Frank would answer to that. Um, they don't want to they don't want to be one dimensional. They want to keep the defense honest, even if even if the run was really really working. Uh, they don't want to just stick to one thing. Um, as for it just being Taylor, this offense is never just going to be one running back. But Zach mentioned earlier, they really zeroed in on the combo of Taylor and Hines. I think among anything what you look for is maybe less involvement from the third running back, which is Wilkins, which is what has been happening. Um, yeah. So they're they're never just going to sink into something being one-dimensional unless there's something they know behind the scenes they won't be able to do. Um, yeah. That's kind of how I see it. Like with with the Texans game last year in Houston, for some reason they knew they wouldn't be able to throw the ball in that game. So they ran it 40, 45 times, you know, we all knew they wouldn't be able to throw the ball in any game. last year. (laughs) (laughs) At times, at times. Yeah. At times. Yeah. No, the, the funny thing about, see, I think, you, you know, you might not like me for saying this, but I think this is where fantasy football kind of is a bad thing. You know, I think people will see Taylor with 16 carries and he had five yards of carry. And I think that's not giving him the ball enough because they have him on their fantasy team or something and they want him to get 40 carries for 300 yards. That's just not how football works. I mean, Taylor getting 16 carries today when the offense honestly wasn't on the field that much. Uh, the, the Texans owned time of possession. They owned um, a lot of the clock in this one. The Colts didn't have that many plays. And Taylor received like 70% of the touches out of the backfield in this game, mm-hmm. uh, if, if not more. That's just me going kind of off the top of my head. I don't really know how they could have given the ball even more. I mean, Rivers was throwing the ball well. He had almost eight yards per attempt. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see – like I, I think there are other games where you could make the claim that Rex being too cute and not running the ball. 
I don't think this was really one of them. I think, you know, when they ran the ball, they had success. And, and when they threw the ball, they had some, you know, a decent amount of success. They just couldn't sustain the drives 100% this one, but they had success overall. The run game was good. And they occasionally gave the ball to Hines who had eight yards of carry instead of Taylor's five. So uh, yeah, I mean, they gave the ball to Taylor a good bit and he, and he produced. So I don't, I don't know. I didn't really have an issue with how they used Taylor or gave him the ball. I mean, he had like six catches as well. So yeah, they yeah. got, I mean, they got him the ball quite a bit. He had over 20 touches. Uh, I don't really see any issue with how he was used in this one personally. Yeah. I, I think this is probably closer to the recipe they'd like to follow. Just, I guess, you know, hitting on a couple more things that didn't go down. Um, let's see. Last one for me before I, I let you get to any you saw. This one is very passionate. Uh, from, <laughs> As they all are. <laughs> yeah. Primus inter Paris. At the end, they said they need answers with the pissed off cussing face. So we'll we'll get this one. We'll get answers for it. Uh, why is it that when an offense goes on a two or four minute drive to win the game, they're called clutch. But when a defense shuts down an offense or takes the ball back in the dying moments of a game, it is said that the offense fumbled a chance away or gave the game away. I need answers. <laughs> so I, I mean, I think around I think around here, we we all know the Colts defense is pretty clutch. Um, <laughs> I love just, I love the passion. I love the passion. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I appreciate it. I uh, I just think it depends on if it looks like something where the defense really forced it or the offense just really bungled it. So like. Uh, a couple the, when they played Houston a couple weeks ago at the end of the game, their center messed up that snap. To me, that's the offense fumbling the ball or giving the ball, giving the game away. You know, today Darius Leonard punched the ball out of QT's grasp and made it happen. Yeah. That's the defense taking the game in their own hands. There's just a, de- it's, it's all context to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the best way I can describe it again is it comes down to fantasy football. Yeah. (laughs) Fantasy football. You, you, everyone focuses on the offensive skill players, you know, everything's the offense doing this offense doing that. And honestly, it's an offensive driven league. It's, it's really what it is. I mean, the way the NFL is set up is for the offenses to score 30, 40 points. It's just kind of how it is. We see it with pass interference calls. We see it with, with every little thing that, that is kind of tailored to offense in this league. Um, so I think, yeah, I think there is a little bit of like offenses are expected to score. And if they don't, it's more on them than it is the defense stopping them. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I completely understand where this person's upset. I think they probably saw um, that tweet by that um, that YouTuber guy, Marcus uh, Whitman or something, I think is his name. I'm not trying to cause any controversy or anything like that. I'm just <laughs> mentioning his tweet. Uh, it's not me trying to call him out or anything, but he, he basically called the Colts lucky for their three forced fumbles. Um, the one against the Packers. Uh, the one uh, in Houston a couple weeks ago, and then this one. And I, I don't. The Packers one was a great play by Blackman. I mean, Blackman yeah. made an elite play, and there's and a difference. Today, Leonard made <sighs> play. Yeah, there's a difference. Like recovering a fumble is more luck than it is than it is skill. But yeah. punching those balls out like those two players did, like Blackman did, like Leonard did, that's skill. I mean, that, that's there's no way you can really break. I mean, especially like Leonard today, he literally lined up the the punch out. Uh, yeah. Same with Blackman. Blackman punched right at the ball. Like, I, I really don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I kind of do agree with what this person's saying. Like, I'm, I'm a defense first guy. I, I study defense more than I study anything on offense. I, I love defense. 
Uh, I wish defenses would get more credit, but again, at the end of the day, it's, it's an offensive driven league. People love points. People love fantasy. It's always going to be, why is the offense not scoring? It's not going to be the defense shutting them down because I, and I also think at the end of the day, people understand offense more than they understand defense, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. So it's just kind of how it is. It, it, it is. I, I, I get it's a little bit frustrating and he needs answers and all, but that's the best <laughs> I can. That's the best I can give is it's an offensive driven league. It's just kind of how it's always going to be. Oh yeah. All right. Did you have any more you wanted to get to? Yeah, I got two um, that were sent my way and they're also actually pretty, pretty uh, passionate again, just, I mean, we we got (laughs) game day Colts fans are some of my favorite and least favorite people. (laughs) Love y'all. And I hate y'all in the same time on the same day. (laughs) Uh, Offense gets a 10 yard completion. It's all Eberflus suck or Eberflus sucks. He's the worst ever. Oh yeah. (laughs) But um, one I got from Devon uh, or Davin, I hope I said it right. And at the era underscore, is right consistent with the identity of the team and being consistent at it? Or does he try new things and tends to get away from what the team is best at running the football? Again, there, there's not really an identity that the Colts have in terms of we're a running team, we're a passing team. They want to be balanced, and that's what every offense wants. But I think at the end of the day, you know, when you look at it, you can say you want to be a running football team, and I, and I completely get it. Uh, it always looks nice to fans and everything like that. But at the end of the day, you know, Philip Rivers averages seven point whatever yards per attempt this year. That's not per completion. That's per attempt. So every time he steps back to throw the football, the Colts offense is getting seven plus yards. If you look at some of the best running backs in, in the league, like even the way that Jonathan Taylor's been playing these last couple of weeks, at best it's five or six yards per carry, which is super efficient. But at the end of the day, passing the ball is going to be more efficient than running the ball. That's how it's always going to be in this league. Uh, so I get why people want to run the ball more because, you know, you see these big plays, you see them wearing out of defense, but the, you know, you got to be able to throw the ball to win this league. And and the reason is again, those high yards per attempt numbers. Uh, but yeah, the key is being balanced. You know, you want to have a good mixture of both. You want to be able to wear down a defense with throwing the ball and you want to be able to uh, throw the ball and get those bigger plays and get down the field. So. I don't really think that's a, it's an identity issue that the Colts have or anything like that. I don't think it's, it's right getting too cute. I think it's finding that perfect balance and, and knowing like, Hey, passing the ball is what sets up the ability to run the ball. And we saw it against uh, the Raiders. We saw it a little bit this week as well. Uh, you get bigger plays with passing the ball, but running the ball is what wears down defenses. So you got to have a mixture of both. It's not really an identity issue or anything like that. Yeah, I uh, I th- I think they just have a diverse group of of playmakers, and they know there's a lot in their tool belt that they can try, and sometimes it just doesn't work out. Uh, I do think a lot of people would like them to lean on the run and be a run first team, but I just I think they're capable of more, and they know it, so they just try more. I mean, yeah. throughout this season, there's been so many different kind of niches that we've seen them attempt uh, throughout the. Uh, throughout the season yeah and then um the last one i got here the one we're not going to talk about too much it's just more of someone again just being frustrated (laughs) gary thompson uh someone who i've communicated with a while on here he's a great guy um he does say why do our fans suck so bad (laughs) Um, i love i love colts fans and it kind of and again it kind of touched on what i said he he was he's more talking the rest of the two he's talking about like we punted the ball twice and didn't turn the ball over, but the offense sucks. We had the sixth best defense in the league, but Eberflus sucks. It's kind of what I was just saying, you know, 
game day fans, not just Colts fans, literally any fan, even the most timid, uh, like, like Jaguars fans or whatever, like the most like just tame, timid fans or whatever that have no confidence in their team. Uh-huh. They're going to be an awful mess on game day. It's just the highs and lows of watching a football game. I mean, we're talking about a league where I think like the average separation or whatever, the average like win total is always one score across league wide every single year, no matter how good you are, how bad you are, you know, a lot, most games come, come down to one score it's a stress inducing game. People are going to be on every high and every single low during game day. So I don't think it's necessarily Colts fans. I, I just think that's just, it's just fandom in general. It's just kind of how it is, especially with football. Cause I mean, it's such a high variance, you know, I, I can kind of understand other, other um, leagues and other sports, but yeah, football, it's just, it's so many highs and so many lows throughout the course of the game. Absolutely. It's just part of being a fanatic, which of course fan is short for like, it's either the sky is falling or your team is just hot as hell and the best thing ever. Uh, Fandom but, is the greatest uh, drug. It's the greatest yeah, and worst drug. <laughs> absolutely. And you can back me up on this. So throughout my career, I have not just written about the Colts. Uh, at, at one point I was covering the entire AFC South for pro football spots. So I've had interactions with all different fan bases especially you know titans texans and and the jaguars texans (laughs) texans are kind of a quiet fan base but i think we've all had tussles with the titans and the jaguars fans and guys we have it good with with colts fans let me tell you i uh (laughs) as someone at least the colts have accomplished things the the (laughs) The the Col- Colts fans have a right to have a big ass about stuff. You know what I mean? Like the Colts have won a, a Super Bowl in the Indy era and they've been to another one. So they have they have some gumption to them. Look, look, guys, I, I was covering Washington for years before I came over to cover the Colts. I had to deal with Cowboys fans on the daily. <laughs> oh. You wanna if you wanna see the worst fan base that's ever existed for any sport. Just go look at like Cowboys Reddit or Facebook groups or something like it is. I mean, they they haven't won anything in 30 years. And and you would think that they are the greatest team ever assembled every single year, even when they have like 10 losses to the greatest team ever assembled. Or they could have like two losses and they think they're the worst. I mean, they're just if if you really want to see a bad fan base, go, go look at some Cowboys stuff. But again, like I said, fandom is one hell of a drug. It's the greatest high and the lowest low. Um, it, it's just how people are going to be, especially on game day. So I typically just kind of tune it out what, what fans are saying uh, throughout the course of a game. And and that's why I do almost all of my coverage throughout the course of a week instead of on Sundays or anything like that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, always remember you're not in the Eagles fan base. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure – the average Eagles fan would kill a family member just for an Eagles win or, you know, they're, they're capable of a lot, you know, there, there's some dark stuff in, in Philly nation. Dude, one of the most famous dudes on YouTube is that EDP dude or whatever, who just yells every single day. <laughs> and he's like one of the greatest things ever. I absolutely love him. Like he just the greatest content or whatever. <laughs> it's just, yeah, dude, fandom's crazy. Fandom's oh, yeah. absolutely crazy. Oh Yeah. So that's uh, that's going to be us. We'll we'll dip out of here on a high note. Uh, everyone, please remember to subscribe to the show and rate and review us on iTunes. 
Uh, we can be found found on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts. Me at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook, and Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram, and Zach at Zach Hicks two on Twitter and Instagram. You can find my written work with Sports Illustrated at AllColts.com, and Zach's Colt stuff on Stampede Blue. Uh, Zach, what do you think you might be writing about this week? Hopefully, uh, <laughs> trying to cover a lot of uh, season stuff uh, because we are getting towards the end of the season. So a lot of like season film rooms and stuff like guys who have had big seasons for the culture, even like underrated guys who have big seasons, definitely covering uh, some of the good things from this Texans game as well. Um, yeah. And for cover one, I actually have a uh, film interview I'm going to be doing this week. Uh, should be up on Wednesday or Thursday, I think. I'm going to be talking to uh, Virginia Tech offensive lineman. I know it's not a big, big thing for for Colts uh, fans or anything like that, but if you're a big draft junkie like we are, um, it should be some fun stuff. This guy, I, I tweeted about him earlier in the week. I mean, he's a super fun player to watch. So uh, it should be a fun film room, and, and you can learn a little bit about offensive line play if you jump into that. I'm sure we'll have some great stuff on there. Absolutely. And honestly – not to gloat, but Zach and I seem to have a pretty keen eye for guys that the Colts will like and ultimately yeah. draft. Uh, both of us have had these these pre-draft models of what the Colts might do, and we've hit on a lot of them. Uh, so if one of us if one of us puts something out about a player, you probably want to get ready for the future of them being a Colt. Yeah, I will say there's been a couple guys where like. Cause I do a lot of these interviews now. I think last yeah. year I got up to like 60 or 70 draft interviews. They think the year before I was up to in the forties or fifties. Um, there's been a, only a couple guys that I've circled pre-draft where I've been like, this will definitely be a Colts target. Uh, the first, the, the biggest one I did ever was Kari Willis. I circled it stars on it and everything. Like I was like, this yeah. guy is going to be on the Colts. And I hadn't even watched his game yet at that point. Like I watched a couple of things to get ready for the interview. And yeah, I remember you and I were talking about him right up until draft day and we we kind of both figured that he'd be on the team so yeah. obviously I talk up a lot of guys not all of them would be on the Colts but um I do feel like for a, a you know I feel like we deal pretty okay with with calling out uh types of guys who would fit in this locker room yeah uh for for my post-game stuff I'm going to be writing about Zach Paschal this week that should come yeah. out tomorrow a little feature uh and then of course gearing up for for the Steelers on Sunday I've got uh just my weekly fantasy preview um oh actually that i'll have the weekly fantasy preview uh and then i'll also have a compilation of of pro football focuses tops top colts players from this uh from this colts win uh we're gonna have a lot of good Steelers stuff coming for you i I can guarantee this the show next uh late this coming week is gonna be pretty good uh, if you guys have any questions that you'd like us to answer on this next pregame show the Steelers pregame show uh, please send them to us through email at believeincolts at gmail.com or respond when we send out the call for questions later in the week on Twitter. Today's show was sponsored by Bet Online. If you're interested in advertising on Believe Podcasts, please contact them at believe.com. Or if you're just interested in our show, shoot us an email. Zach and I will be with you later in the week to chat all about the Colts and Steelers. Have a great week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.